Guy Gordon, Lloyd Jackson, and Jamie Edmonds are up at 6 with JR Morning. Now it's First Thing with Mike Parsons and Renee Vitale. Well, Renee, you just said it in your traffic report. No accidents out on the roads except for that accident that happened yesterday in San Francisco. Ugh. Uh, I know. It was a tough one. It, it was right there. It was, it was so right close. there. Especially I, I, in the half when we had a 17-point lead. I mean, I had just gotten done convincing myself that this was real and the Lions were on the cusp of going to the Super Bowl. And then, well, you all saw what happened. And we, gosh, the energy. We came out guns blazing like we always do. I mean, here's the thing. That first half, San Francisco did not even look like they belonged on the same field as the Lions. I was sitting there saying, these guys are the number one seed. Kyle Shanahan was shaking his head already in the first quarter yeah and uh, yeah it just it, it, it's almost like the team switched jerseys at halftime yep it seemed like it was going to be the Cinderella story and then it wasn't well and in I'm trying to be grateful for the season yesterday yes. I woke up and I said win or lose this season has been an absolute blast as long as we don't get screwed by like a Brad Allen-esque bad call yeah or there's an epic collapse I, I think Lions fans are, are, are going to come away happy no matter what. But then, obviously, that 17-point lead um, was, you know, it, 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 it Lions fans haven't had their heart ripped out like that in a long, long it time. It hurt. It for sure hurt. And three points, gosh, it was just so close. It was, it was there. It was there for the taking. Three points. And here's the thing. I also don't want to be reactionary and, and throw the whole season away because no. of that epic collapse, because it was an absolute blast. It was. And you know what? A lot of people on social media right after were in this predicament because of Dan Campbell and his, you know, bad decisions. Blah, blah, blah. You know what? We're also where we are this far in the season because of Dan Campbell. And let's not forget that. You're absolutely right. And do I wish? Looking back that we had those six points to send us to the Super Bowl. Absolutely. Sure. But the first time he went for it, the lines were up and they were looking good. And mm-hmm. you thought to yourself, okay, well, we're playing great. We're up to a hot lead. You can take those kind of gambles. And then, of course, you know, by the time he uh, opted to not go for that second Super Bowl, everybody, I mean, I'm sorry, the, the second field goal, everyone was was screaming at their TV screens. See, that uh, that first one, that would have made it 27-10 in the third quarter. And I thought to it, because I saw it this morning, I was already asleep. If you... (laughs) you, Made the right choice. Yeah. If you miss that field goal, you're going to give the ball back to San Francisco regardless in the same spot as you would if you didn't convert the fourth down. So when when you're on the road and you're up, you take those points, or at least attempt those points, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, and a lot of people were saying, you know, obviously that uh, the Lions, they don't have a great kicker. They might. There's no guarantee they would have gotten those six points, but we, we'll never know. We'll never know because the, yeah. the, the field goals were never kicked. I Look, I'm still riding with Dan Campbell. Oh, yeah. You you set you said it, Renee. Yeah. You know what? Maybe those two field goals he decided not to go to cost us the game. But I mean, <sighs> Just think about where things were less than two seasons ago at the beginning of the 2022 season and just how snake bit this 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 franchise's fan base was 
how it seemed like no matter who we brought in, there was no escaping the S word, right? which I'm not going to evoke today. Um, Yeah. And you know what? In a time where we are so divided otherwise, it didn't matter if you're a Democrat or Republican. Nothing mattered in this city other than that we were all united as Lions fans. And you know how good that felt to enjoy that? Well, and we saw that during the state of the state, right? Right. <laughs> Every, there, there is so many go lions and and you know even all the analysis afterwards and everyone's saying, well, one thing we can agree is that we're really enjoying the lions. You're right about that. It felt and so it, good. It did. And Dan Campbell, he did more. He's done more so far than just lead us to a conference championship game. He has changed that culture and he has made the Lions a legit contender. Yep. This wasn't a cute story. This wasn't that they just stumbled backwards into a playoff berth and got housed in the wild card round. Right. We were a half away from the Super Bowl. We were legit. And this is a team that's still learning how to win. And look, there's 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 two big holes we're going to have to fill now because offensive coordinator Ben Johnson, he's gone. He's being linked to the Washington job. If it's yeah. not Washington, he's going to get a head coaching job somewhere else. Same thing with defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn. But we have a we have one of the best offensive lines in the league. I think our oldest guy is Graham Glasgow at 31. You got Jared Goff, who's a seasoned vet, and he still probably has at least 10 years to play if he stays healthy. Jameer Gibbs, the rookie, Sam Laporta, Amon Ross St. Brown, he's still young. I mean, this team, it seems like this core is going to be around for a long, long time. And this is one of those, this is one of those moments that define a team. How are they going to react? How is Dan Campbell going to get his team um, to forget about this? And when they find themselves in this situation again in the future, what are they going to do differently where the outcome will be different? I think, you know, Renee, you and I were talking about this off the air. It's almost like at halftime because the Lions just looked bad. They looked bad yeah. in the third quarter. They did. It's almost like at halftime they thought to themselves, oh, my God, we're a half away from winning the Super uh, from going to the Super Bowl. And the bright lights got in their eyes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, 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 the focus it got shifted. in their heads. Yeah. yeah, it got in their heads. And look, that Brandon Ayuk <sighs> play. That long bomb where the ball bounced off of Kindle Vildor's face mask. It, it looked like it was an interception, but then he caught it at the one yard line. That was a fluke. I mean, you can throw that, you can throw that pass 100 times and 100 times out of 100, you're not going to get that bounce. Yeah. Did you, uh, Mike or, or Renee, did you see the AFC championship game and did you see Lamar Jackson catch his own pass? Yes. <laughs> now that, that was, was crazy. That was insane. <laughs> Yeah, I, I jinxed Lamar Jackson because right after that play, I posted on Facebook, Lamar Jackson's a figment of our imagination, and, and, and <laughs> the, game that, yeah. kind of, the game kind of went south after that. And I, lo- I love the smirk he had afterwards. I mean, there were some crazy plays in both games yesterday. Yeah. There really was. Yeah, Jimmy Harbaugh was in Baltimore yesterday watching his brother before, before they might be uh, potential opponents next year. So... Um, yeah, we'll, uh, I'm, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this a lot more with Guy Lloyd and Jamie later on Dan Campbell. He was, he was visibly emotional at the press conference at the post game press conference. 
Um, but like I said, I, I, I it, it's going to take some time to process this. Right now, I'm not. I'm not thinking it's been a great season. Right now, I'm like this stings, and 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 we were so close. But I think, you know, after a few weeks, the wound's going to be reopened in two weeks around the Super Bowl when we're watching and saying that should be us. But yeah, there 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 is a lot to be thankful for this season. We just don't feel it yet, and, and that's understandable because I'm not feeling it right now. I, I have to almost talk myself into it. And now we root for Taylor Swift. <laughs> yeah. I can't I can't wait to see everyone's angry posts about the 10 to 15 seconds Taylor Swift's going to be on I screen know. during the Super Bowl. I know. Have you people uh, ever considered just dealing with it for a second or two? <laughs> I mean, How about you shake it off? Oh. <laughs> oh hey, yo. I'm here all week. I'm here all week. Yeah. <laughs> wow. There you go. You know what? You would have you you would have been right at home on every newscast over the summer <laughs> because they were all rife with Taylor Swift puns. All right, we're gonna take a quick break. I'm gonna There's go. There's no uh, bad blood. Let's shake it off. All right, let's see. Jason, please go to break. It's first thing by Parsons, Renee Vitale, WJR. And we'll get back to more Lions talk with Guy Lloyd and Jamie coming up uh as we're heading into JR morning, I'm sure. They're going to have a lot to say about the game as well, but Renee, why don't we uh, why don't we pivot to, to to some good news here? Let's do that. Um, Sharon Moore, he was named um, head football coach at the University of Michigan. The former offensive coordinator who was on sidelines for the big wins over national powerhouses Penn State and Ohio State, while Jim Harbaugh served out his second three game suspension this season. Uh, this time for sign sealing allegations. And uh, like I said, I think this this is seen as good news for everyone. I think we all thought that him stepping up and keeping the national title hopes alive against the toughest part of Michigan's schedule, against their arch rival and fellow national championship contender, Ohio State. I think we all saw that and thought that this guy deserved a chance. And to be honest, Renee, I've, I've said it a few times. I grew up in a Michigan State household, but I actually found myself rooting for Sharon Moore. Yeah. Um, you know, that that emotional speech he gave after Penn State where he dropped a few curse words. For some reason, that really won me over. It was just very genuine. It was and real. Yep. Yeah. You know what? It, what a great audition for him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to see what kind of coach he would be. Right. And I, I think uh, obviously they could have done a nationwide coaching search, and I'm sure they probably could have poached someone from an SEC, an up and coming SEC school or or attracted a, a number of big name up and coming coaches. But I think Why? It, it right for this situation, I think Sharon Moore is the is the best choice. And by the way. Ohio State head coach Ryan Day is already 0-1 against him. So he's off to a good start. <laughs> there you go. And, hey, he's so. getting a nice paycheck, $6 million per season to start. Not bad. Yeah, so congratulations, Sharon Moore. I, I'm sure – oh, there it is. <laughs> Thank you, Jason. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I'm sure at the beginning of the season – um, he probably knew that Jim Harbaugh was leaving, and I, I don't think that he could have envisioned that this adversity would have catapulted to him to his dream job. So great story out there, and uh, and I wish him the best. Yep. So day two of the Jennifer Crumbly manslaughter trial focused mostly on text messages between Crumbly and her son. 
They only called one witness, a fellow by the name of Edward Rogroski, a forensic computer analyst. Yeah, the prosecutors tried to show that the the jury that Jennifer and her husband had all the warning signs that they needed to stop their son from carrying out the school massacre before it happened. Uh, only one witness took the stand on Friday, and that was um, the the gentleman that you had mentioned. Uh, surveillance they showed they had an analyst. He was the analyst who detailed surveillance videos from school cameras. It showed the shooter moving through the school on November thirtieth, twenty twenty one, firing the handgun that his parents gifted him for Christmas that year. Edward. Wagroski testified that the shooter appeared to be proud and excited as he began his rampage. And with Wagroski on the stand, prosecutors had him detail texts and Facebook messages in an effort to show that Jennifer Crumbly was a mother who was detached and even dismissive of her son's mental health struggles and more concerned with her two horses. And Crumbly's defense attorney, Shannon Smith, she asked Wagroski if he knew that there were phone connection issues near the barn. He said he did not. And when prosecutors conclude with their their witnesses, Jennifer Crumbly, is expected to take the stand in her own defense. And also, it's been decided that the shooter will not be testifying mm-hmm. in his mother's trial due to matters involving an appeal on his life sentence. Yeah, and they, that, actually, things got testy in court on Friday between Shannon Smith, Jennifer Crumbly's defense attorney, and the judge because she kept pushing the issue, saying that the shooter needs to testify, the shooter needs to t- testify. And eventually, the judge like, look. I can't make that happen. He is pleading the fifth. We cannot force him to testify. Do you not understand how this works, attorney? (laughs) Right. Well, and and here's the thing. The question asking this guy, a computer forensic analyst, if he knew of any connection issues around the horse barn because Jennifer Crumbly was not returning her son's texts about his mental breakdown – to me, I'm like, they're grasping at straws. They they really have nothing here. Well, and, the and only- yeah, that's like when they they asked uh, that guy that was a, a gun, the the, the um, expert on guns, if yeah. she when she asked him about, well, you know how teenagers act, right? They like to embellish on things. He's like, I don't know. I don't have teenagers. But you were a teenager at some point. Right. What are you that's doing? Not- Right. That's not his it's not his area of expertise. Right. You ask the school psychologist or some kind of mental health professional that question. I I mean, that that would be like uh, that'd be like asking a child psychologist if he knows the mechanics of uh, of a firearm. Right. It's just kind of all over the place. And and I really said grasping at straws. Yeah, and I I think the only thing that might save the defensive the defense's case is just the lack of laws on the books at the time yeah. that that you know allow for prosecution of irresponsible parents. So we'll see. I believe um, it's going to resume this morning, eight thirty or nine o'clock. So we'll see what happens. And Jennifer Crumbly um, testifying at some point that's going to be very very interesting. Yeah. Uh, Three American service members were killed, 34 others wounded in a drone attack by multiple Iranian-backed rebel groups in Jordan over the weekend, although Iran says that they had nothing to do with it. Um, There has been some optimism coming out of the Israel-Gaza peace talks for a ceasefire and a hostage deal. We'll see what happens there. The U.N.'s top court, they stopped short of calling for a ceasefire, ordering Israel to do all it can to limit unnecessary death, damage, and genocide in their offensive against Hamas in Gaza after South Africa 
uh, tried bringing genocide charges against them. Uh, but the U.N. themselves are in a bit of hot water this morning. Yeah, the agency that assists Palestinian refugees, UNRWA, said Friday that it fired several of its employees after Israeli authorities provided the agency with information alleging their participation in the October 7th Hamas terror attack inside Israel. UNRWA's main donor, the U.S., is among several countries to pause funding to the organization in the wake of the allegations, which employs around 13,000 people in Gaza. Uh, details remain scant. Neither Israel nor UNRWA have specified the nature of the alleged involvement of UNRWA employees in the events of October 7th. And uh, UNRWA Commissioner General Philippi Lazzarini said that any UNRWA employee who was involved in acts of terror will be held accountable, including through criminal prosecution. And then in a statement issued Sunday, UN, Genre- UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres said that nine of the 12 UNRWA staff members at the center of the allegations have been fired. One other was dead and the identities of the two others were still being clarified. Well, and the UN needs to have these people arrested, like like, like you just mentioned there, Renee, and, and they need to be dragged in front of this top court and uh, they need to clean out the rest of their house as well. Yep. And maybe these countries, uh, which, like you mentioned, the United States, Germany cut their funding, England, Finland, Australia, Canada, Italy, the Netherlands and Switzerland, then maybe once they clean house and prosecute these these surviving staffers then maybe these countries can start thinking about funding them again because right. there really there are civilians in Gaza that are are suffering however the UNRWA um did this to themselves right. so um you know we, we need to start funding another humanitarian group and the UN ha- needs to clean house um from this agency and real quick uh, president joe biden vowed to take immediate action to shut down the us mexico border if congress approves a deal the senate passed a border deal proposal last week Donald Trump came out saying that any border bill that isn't close to perfect will be a gift to Democrats because, well, it's one of the main issues that he wants to run on. House Speaker Mike Johnson said that if the Senate bill is anywhere close to the rumors he's heard about it, it will be dead on arrival in the House. The Senate is saying, take the deal. It's the best we're going to get. And so this is how politics works. And this is wild. It's funny how trying to spite your opponent can make you absolutely flip flop on an issue. The Republicans, they've been beating the drum. We need a border deal. No new funding to Ukraine or Israel till we get a border deal. Senate Republicans come up with one. Donald Trump panics, thinking he's going to lose one of his biggest campaign issues. Tells the House not to pass it. Now Joe Biden sees that Donald Trump is flipping his position. And then when push comes to shove, he says, yeah, I'll shut down the border, even though he hasn't in three years. And now the Republicans in the House are the ones hemming and hawing over a border deal. And Joe Biden is the one who wants to shut down the border. I know. It's, it's comical. Oh, my God. And, gr- and great rough. recap, Mike. Thank you want to get nuts? Come on. Let's get nuts. Pretty much oh, it. It's well, what's, it, what's that, Renee? I said pretty much it. Yeah, it's well past the point of getting nuts in Congress. Can we just, I don't know, can we Can we start over? I, I, I don't know. We need to hit the reset button. All right. We're going to take a, a, a quick break here and still a lot to talk about Lions-wise with Guy Lloyd and Jamie coming up after the break. It's first thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitelli, WJR. All right. Heading into JR Morning, Guy Lloyd and Jamie join us in studio, and uh, we've had uh, – 
what, six, seven hours to process this, this Lions loss after being up 17 at halftime. Uh, What's that? I don't want to ask. What's processing? Yeah. I still haven't processed You were sleeping. How were you processing? Dreaming it sleeping. away. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I wasn't sleeping. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was someone else. Uh, no, I stayed up for the whole thing. Um, no, I mean, after the game, didn't you get some rest? Oh, yeah. I, okay. Well, I tried to. Um, yeah, it was, but, it was uh, hard. Yeah. yeah. Couldn't turn my brain off. It, yes. I kept saying, is this a dream? Did I, I dream this? Oh, this is a dream. No, it's the well, same old nightmare. You almost said it, guy. I'm not ready to go there yet, but it, 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 you know what? We have felt that that feeling before, and it was just, it was just even more crushing uh, this time. It, it really was, and um, I think in a few days we can look back on the season and say what a ride it was an absolute blast but it it it's it just stings it still stings way too much yeah and i mean all the reporters are trying to get the players to say give perspective like oh this was still a great run they weren't ready for that no. last yeah. night no. no they were not no and especially they... Panay Sewell, if anyone oh, saw his post i didn't he had no. one word answers kept saying that doesn't matter stop asking me next question like really upset you know, and he's not that guy. No, normally it just was... it's just, but it's like, yeah. no, I haven't processed this yet. Right. I feel for those guys. Right. One of the things here's... in the first half of the game, when they kept taking the shots of the Niners coaching staff and the Niners players, and they just got these blank uh, thousand yard stares. Yeah. And you're right. going, wow. They just happened. have no answer. What are they going to do yeah. in the locker room? And then that's the way we looked 30 minutes later. Correct. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Kyle, Kyle Shanahan was shaking his head with four minutes left in the first quarter. And you thought, okay, it's a foregone conclusion. I think by the time the majority of Lions fans convinced themselves that winning this game and going to the Super Bowl was, 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 was a reality, the wheels started coming off. Yeah, I mean, and, the Niners made plays, but then the Lions helped them they with did. all their mistakes. I mean, and then the, 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 the ball off the helmet. That's just See, That's luck. just the mini freak. immaculate reception. Yeah, that's yeah. just a freak yeah. thing that happened. Yeah. But of yeah. course, that happens to us. It's, but that's it's that's so thing. Lions. Yeah. I, I'm yeah so, I feel sorry for the sometimes fans who have never really been big Lions fans who bought into all this. And I mean... We've we've had years yes. of building up a harder shell and you yeah. know some 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 defenses for this. They haven't. No. No, yeah. but this it's, is what happens when you make a run. There's going to be heartbreak unless you win the Super Bowl. So I I think you at least as fans should have some perspective of what just happened this year and how amazing it was. It was yeah, and, amazing. And and, 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 and Go ahead, Mike. Go ahead, Renee. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. It, it just it felt so good for this city. It, even mm-hmm. though this isn't the outcome we wanted, this is exactly what we needed. And and, and for well, that, I'm thankful. Yeah. And I woke up yesterday saying, I don't care what happens. It was still a great season. Right. As long as as long as we don't have a Brad Allen Allen esque bad call or yeah. there's an epic collapse, I'm happy. Yeah. Well, we did have the epic yeah. collapse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um 
Yeah, it's and, tough. And, it's tough. I get it. It is. And I think it hurts more, uh, Guy, the ones who have been around all these years. It hurts it's, us more than it does the people who are kind of just got on well, the bandwagon. My son has yeah. never been a, a team. My oldest son has yeah. never been a team sports fan. He and his wife are out in San Diego. They were locked in on this game. They were uh-huh. so excited and they were so fired up. And at the end, my son said, okay, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> <laughs> this is so crushing. How yeah, have you done this before. all these years? <laughs> yeah. And and I will say this, obviously, we're going to hear a bunch of debates about whether or not Dan Campbell should have taken those two field goals. Look, I, I, I'm, I'm still a Dan Campbell guy. Yeah, Do I wish we had those six points and we were heading to the Super Bowl? Absolutely. However, we know what you know, we Dan, got with Dan Campbell. We know. Yeah, exactly. We know what he does. You dance with the guy that brung you. And what got us here His was being bold yeah, and right. the aggressiveness. Exactly. Yep. So, uh, I mean, he was he was uh, understandably emotional at the podium. Um, But look, this is uh, this is a newly successful team learning how to win. I mean, how many how many cracks did the 49ers get at the NFC championship before they actually moved on to the Super Bowl? So um, it's going to be tough filling the void of of Ben Johnson and Aaron Glenn. Yeah, I think that's going to be the biggest question mark this offseason. I thought you were going to say it was filling the void of this is what we've been talking about for weeks. Mm -hmm. And it's been so exciting to talk about. (laughs) Now what? Yeah. What are we going to talk about tomorrow? Um, uh, Can I just say maybe it's too soon. The wings have won six of eight. They beat the Golden Knights over the weekend. Yeah. So I need a break. J.R. Morning coming up. Former President Trump is cruising towards a Republican nomination without setting foot on a debate stage. And the primary season ended early when Nikki Haley refused to debate Ron DeSantis in New Hampshire after Donald Trump once again refused to show up. So is this the future of presidential debates in jeopardy? Aaron Call, University of Michigan Director of Debate, explores that topic with Tom Jordan and Kevin Dietz. You know, you look at things, it seems like the future of presidential debates might be in jeopardy as they may no longer be a guaranteed element of the electoral process. Uh, the, the Biden and Trump teams, uh, these, okay, if there are nominees... Biden and Trump are the respective parties. We may never see them face-to-face on a debate stage. Biden's handlers might refuse to put him up there because of concerns about his performance, but they'll blame Trump for being too dangerous to provide him a platform. But I think there's something else, Kevin. I think debates are almost becoming irrelevant with the onset of social media and, and almost instant access to the candidates that way. Well, I wouldn't give Donald Trump too much credit. He's bailed out of every debate in the primary. He won't. He hasn't been to a single debate uh, yet. Uh, and now, if he pops up and says, uh, "Geez, why won't Joe Biden debate me?" I, I don't. I don't. I don't buy it. Uh, this all bothers me. Uh, maybe I'm in the minority, but I, I think the voters deserve to see the top two candidates on the same stage answering questions about their vision for the country. Uh, but it seems the norm to skip debates if you're if you're in the lead. Um, for the most part, voters don't seem to speak out against it or punish those who skip out. Uh, let's bring in Aaron Call, University of Michigan Director of Debate. Uh, good morning. How are you? Morning. Good. Great to be back. Uh, yeah, thanks for being here. What, what has happened to, to the debate? Uh, it, it was uh, such a huge part of, of, of election process. Uh, and now uh, debates are held, but, uh, you know, uh, Donald Trump skips out, uh, DeSantis skips out, uh, you know, uh, Joe Biden skips out. Why is everybody allowed to skip out of these things? Yeah, I mean, not everybody. Um, DeSantis actually wanted a debate the last two in New Hampshire. It was kind of Nikki Haley that um, put it into those. Um, and it's happened over the Donald, um, Donald Trump skipped a famous Iowa debate in 2016 and actually didn't in lost Iowa, I think, because of that. Ted Cruz won. 
But this time, the voters didn't punish him for skipping debate, so there was, you know, no political cost to do it. And I think Haley thought after the Iowa debate, where she didn't do as well against DeSantis and, you know, third place in Iowa, and it was, it was really nasty that just kind of didn't think another one-on-one debate with DeSantis would, would help her in New Hampshire. And so it comes down to individual political calculations um, from all the candidates and um, and what the public does, whether they kind of demand it. And if they raise such a stink, then they may force the candidates to do it. But they're not a guarantee. Um, you know, they didn't start until the early 1960s, and then there was a huge gap of over 15 years where there were no debates uh, surrounding uh, Nixon and Johnson, and then we, we restarted them. And mostly have been on this good trajectory of three presidential debates every every four years, but sometimes that's not been the case. Last year we just had two because of a moderator and a formatting controversy. Um, there have been years where there was just one, and so uh, it, it'll be up to, to both candidates. And I think viewership, that's another thing. There used to be, you know, like the Super Bowl, tens of millions of people up to like 80 plus million people watched. There were only a few channels uh half of the country was tuned in and now there's just uh, so many different options and social media has taken over. And so they just don't get the same kind of viewership, which decreases a lot of incentives for participation. Yeah. Maybe, maybe people feel like they, they hear enough of the candidates and, and they know where they stand, but what, what do you miss out when, when, when there isn't a debate? Yeah, I think that's with Trump. That's true. So this time people are like, well, he was president for four years. He's a known commodity. What are we really going to learn about him that we don't already know? And I think that's part of the reason he wasn't punished this time. But yeah, I mean, debates themselves are very important. Uh, the you know the moderators mostly come with, with good questions. Um, you try to get the candidates off. They're just stump speeches and lines you hear on the campaign trail and over and over. They usually come up with to try to come up with questions that have never been asked, and so you want to get the candidate on record somewhere. And then if they try to squeam out of that, at least there's evidence that that's the case. Um, recently, the uh, the moderators have been asking the candidates to say something nice about each other, which at least gives you a little bit of insight into. Um, that's always, I think, an interesting question. And I think another reason the um, you know the kind of debates are more in doubt these days is just the as partisanship increases, the country's more divided. Um, there's just uh you know kind of less potential for them but um but no, they they last 90 minutes two hours they're usually very informative and substantive and so you give the public to see how candidates think on their feet um tackle with things in real time that maybe they hadn't thought about information process and it's really the job of a president and a leader you know if there was an emergency and they had to make a really important decision in a period of minutes how would they do that? And I think debates kind of give good insight into into that process. I want to ask you more about the moderators because the Republican National Committee, they're opposing its nominees participating in debates that are organized by the Independent Commission of Presidential Debates. And the reasoning back in 2020 and 21 was because of the commission's selections of what appear to be, you know, clearly biased moderators. And we've seen these moderators interject their own arguments against the candidates very clearly. We saw it again uh, on CNN. Caitlin Collins doing just that. How important is it that a moderator remains objective in these debates? Yeah, it's it's very important, and it's important that they have credibility just in the first place. That both the candidates and public are going to trust them. The problem is these days, uh, as the country so divided, the those people really don't exist. I mean, going back to 2020, people thought it was a good idea. Oh, Chris Wallace, you know, he works for Fox. He'll be a good moderator. And that was one of the worst debates ever. He just kind of lost control, and, and both candidates spoke over him. You mentioned some examples of that. I think going back to the um, Rom- the Romney-Obama debate. That Candy Crowley. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the Caitlin Collins thing, I think that was a um, you know, town hall. But 
but yeah, there's, um, you know, different networks are kind of aligned with different ideologies and kind of they have their agendas. Um, I thought it was interesting and, you know, the, even the last Fox event, kind of they went away from Hannity and some more the the new side of Brett Baer and when, uh, you know, he was president on the, the first uh, debate. And so there's just unfortunately no universally uh, approved moderator. Yeah, we did get in that issue last time. There's supposed to debate in actually Michigan, then Miami. But um, the moderator there, uh, Scully, had kind of um, there were some questions there about bias. So there's no uh, the kind of these giants in the media that everyone views credibly and has a high approval rating that people you know do. So they could talk about okay, who do we want to be the moderator? And I'm just not sure that you could um, agree right. on some point. And that's why, as you said, the the RNC is is against um, the Commission on Presidential Debates. They view some of the moderators as a little bit too liberal. Um, but uh, it sounds like this time Trump, you know, he maybe not want to debate in the primary, but does want to debate in the general and even would be willing. He never signed the pledge anyway, but would be willing to to do debates with Biden, even if the commission did them, because he feels that you know Biden by then will be 81, 82, too old, could make a big gap. And so I do think that Trump wants to do them and maybe make some concessions in order to make those happen. But yeah. I think he needs to be careful because it didn't really work out for him last time, at least in the Cleveland one. No, it didn't. Yeah, I remember that. So, so, but, but Trump has said from the beginning that he's kind of skipping over these primary debates, and I didn't agree with that either. I would have liked to have seen him up there. But his point was that he wanted to debate uh, the Democratic nominee, of course, he believing it's going to be Joe Biden. Uh, Joe Biden has not committed to participating in the debates either. And do, do you think their argument is going to be that they they won't do it because they feel that Donald Trump is a danger to democracy. We should not be giving him a platform because uh, it seems that's where they're leaning. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, they haven't committed. And, and you know, I think kind of, you know, keeping your powder dry and increasing your leverage, I think that's smart. I think in the end they will agree. We may not have three debates. We may have one or two. But, you know, we had them in 2020. We had two. And um, and so maybe this will give them more of a say. The commission can be involved and, and more of a say on the moderator. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's, um, you know, don't give him a platform, kind of what he's saying is dangerous, but at the same time, you know, he is the, the nominee. And in some ways, I think, you know, the more kind of people see of Trump, then at least they would be exposed to that. He's kind of taken a lower profile on social media and, you know, even through the primary. Um, but his campaign may want um, the kind of the race to be about Trump and not a referendum on, on Biden's first four years and his presidency. And so um, they may not mind that if, you know, he says a bunch of controversial things and people kind of um, remember those parts that maybe they didn't like as much of his first presidency. And so I think in the end, especially if the public pressure is there, um, they'll likely agree to at least yeah. one or, or two I, debates. I certainly hope they have a debate. And they both had a first term. It would be great to be able to compare those first term, uh, first terms back-to-back uh, -back with each other and let the voters decide. Very much appreciate your perspective. As always, Aaron Call, University of Michigan's Director of Debate. Aaron, thanks. Appreciate it.